You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and the interview subject you're about to hear from is Diego Tejeda from the UK outfit Haken. Now, Diego, if you're listening, my apologies if I've mispronounced your surname there. The reason for the conversation with Diego is to promote their appearances, that is Haken's appearances, in Australia in September and October 2017. So I'll read out some dates. On the 28th of September, they're playing in Brisbane, the 29th in Melbourne, the 30th in Sydney, and finally on the 1st of October, Perth has a show. So let's have a listen to what Diego has to say. Here we go. Australia in September on the back of the stellar album titled Affinity, which was released a little over 12 months ago or so, so it's been out a while now. So two questions to open our discussion. Yeah. Can you describe the album for those people that are yet to hear it, and what can Australian fans expect from the upcoming tour? Right, well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Affinity is an album that musically is the first time we experimented with uh, 80s stuff. So uh, 80s music like Vince Cola, Toto, even Van Halen, has been like a massive influence on the sound of the album. Also, there's been a lot of uh, electronic influences, you know, like of the likes of Apex Twin or, you know, even some dubstep influences going on. Um, so it's a very... Ironically, it has a lot of like modern influences as well. So it's, it's the mixture of, of, of both. And I think that's been why uh, the album has had the acceptance of the audience it has. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of the shows, we're very, very, very excited to go to Australia. It's the first time we play in Australia ever. And I think it's the first time for most of us, if not all of us, to ever be cool. in Australia so yeah, we are, we're very, very, very excited about it. I think most of us uh, always wanted to go there and we didn't have the opportunity until now. Okay, sweet. Yeah, cool. Um, so I've asked a question about the tour and, of course, the album. Now, I've been listening to the album pretty much nonstop for, of course, all of my waking hours, but over the last 24 hours. And the band's music is awesome. extraordinarily visual. So God help me for saying this on the podcast, but I imagine it is music that would accompany mind-altering substances beautifully. So my question here is this. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what, what inspires the band to create such wonderfully vast and colourful music? I think it's just music itself. Um, we all have very different tastes in music and very different influences. Uh, you know, uh, Connor, our bass player, and Richard, uh, one of our guitar players, they're really into kind of modern modern bands and, you know, things like Bon Iver or, you know, Deer Hunter. And you know, Charlie yeah, is massively into... In, into into 70s music like uh, you know Gentle Giant he loves Queen uh, and also in a lot of gen I mean he loves Sugar and you know I'm, I'm, I'm into that stuff as well but yes. I grew up into grunge and my first idol was uh, Kurt Cobain and, and Nirvana and you know I listened oh, to a lot yeah. of uh, minimalistic uh, composers like Philip Glass or Brian Eno so stuff like that so we all love music genuinely apart from you know we play prog and that's our common ground uh, but we all genuinely love music and I think the main thing for us when, when writing music is uh, just to create a good tune so a good tune can be played on any genre it could be played in like a jazz quartet or it could be played as a dance tune or as a, you know as a hip-hop tune um, so you know our, our main main uh, focus is on the vocal melody and the lyrics and obviously the, the, the harmony behind it before adding all, all the gimmicks that Prox comes with, uh, you know, like the solos or, you know, the intricate parts. The main thing is, is the music and the songs. So, yes. yeah, hooks and, 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 you know, choruses. 
Well, you just mentioned someone whose music I think is is extraordinarily important there, and I love his 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 um, compositions, and that's Philip Glass. So I just watched um, conductor Alondro de la Parra. Uh, conduct Symphony Number no. 11, which is the first time it was played outside of New York in Brisbane recently. Fantastic stuff, but it's really inspiring. To That's hear amazing. That. Oh, yeah, it's really inspiring to hear that you mention an artist like him or a composer like him, because not a lot of people in our, let's call it our genre and our sphere of music, really understand his work and get into his work. He composed something many years ago, about 30 or 40 years ago now, called, um, I'm going to get the spelling incorrect, but I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, Kiyomatsu Kera, I think it was called, where his music accompanied these these extraordinary visuals of industrialized society in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was just an aside point, but I thought it was an important one there for the listeners to, um, particularly listeners of your music, they could probably branch across and get into some of that stuff. Um, I know, absolutely. I mean, my my favorite Philip Glass album ever is. Uh, a solo piano, for instance, it's just extremely simple, but it's just so such a powerful album. So yeah, definitely check Philip Glass out if you haven't heard of Philip Glass out. Yes, outstanding, mate. Yes, and um, another one of my favourite artists, different medium, but is Roger Dean. And for those that are listening and not familiar, you Google his name and just check out the images that appear. So about the band, though. I've watched your videos on YouTube and there's a lot of um, like or an out of space or a sci-fi theme going on. Has the band ever thought about approaching a visual artist such as Dean to collaborate? Um, well, yeah, of course. I mean, that's been on the back of our minds and, you know, we've been conscious about doing something like that for ages. The thing is, it's just like a very expensive thing to do. Uh, yes. But yeah, absolutely. And I think music and, and visuals are just a very very powerful combination um, so yeah i mean as you said it, i don't know if it comes across but also i mean personally when i'm when i'm, when I'm writing or i'm actually like uh, programming a sound on the synthesizer yes. um i get like very visual ideas of it um so yeah that's something we love to do it's just a matter of getting the, the right budget because you know as yes. probably <laughs> not many people know animations are extremely but extremely expensive yeah it's not a case of the fact that you don't have to pay an actor anymore you've got to pay for um for visual composers to do their thing and that does cost a, a, a princely sum these days doesn't it yeah no, definitely it's, it's, a, it's definitely a fortune Okay, my next point is going to be wrapped in a question. Um, so here goes. It's, it's rather long, but as I say, I am inspired by your music. And I did a bit of reading that some of my fellow reviewers um, have or their thoughts uh, on your band's music. And it was always inevitable that Haken draws comparisons to Dream Theater, but I can see potential elsewhere. So, Diego, hear me out here as I'm going to offer a comment and then ask for your thoughts. So I know that there are a ton of 12 to 16 year olds that raid their parents and even grandparents regular collections for albums from Yes, Jethro Tull, Pink Floyd and the Alan Parsons Project. Now a trend in the near future that I feel is inevitable is for bands to cover entire albums from revered artists such as the ones that I've just mentioned. Now I feel that Haken are one of the more accessible prog bands that are out there today. Would you ever think about covering an album front to back from any one of the artists that I just mentioned, updating the sound by introducing some metallic elements and even touring? Well, oh wow, that's a beautiful question. Um, I'm not sure about that one. I think, I mean, in my, in my opinion, uh, when a band or like an artist covers someone else's uh, like uh, music, um, 
it has to be like justified. Uh, and I, I don't. Think, I mean, this, this is obviously from a personal point of view, but I don't think trying to recreate what is done uh, just to you know, resemble it and do it again is fair because obviously fans and people are going to love the original one. Now, if you like, as you suggested, try to make it more modern and change it a little bit and you know rearrange it and stuff, that's a very dangerous game uh, because there's going to be some people who are going to love it and some people who are going to hate it. And I think it's something that can be done as a tribute. And maybe just do it occasionally, then play like a you know encore on the show, and and just do something like that. I think that's something really cool to do. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, I saw uh, between Buried and me um, doing the encore, and the encore was uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're great. Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, yeah. and they were doing their own kind of version of it, and, and that was amazing. That's something I really, really loved. Uh, but I don't think probably I wouldn't like it if a band did a whole album and changing it. Because yeah. you know, obviously, that would that would imply a lot of creativity from the band, and you know, a lot of input. But I think it's is there, and you know, the, the, the initial product, the original project is there, and there should be a lot of respect about it. You know, there's there's like boundaries when you can actually play with it, but I don't think doing redoing it again would be justifiable, justifiable from a personal point of view. So yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind uh, uh, just uh, thinking about them. Like one one tune or a couple of tunes, uh, like I don't know, like uh, doing a Pink Floyd tribute or maybe something outside yeah. outside Prague. That's something we even have discussed in the past. So you know that that might happen in the future. Yeah, yeah, cool. The reason why I'm inspired to to ask the question of your good self is because you've got bands out there touring these days, and one band that comes to mind is Foreigner who literally have no original members left in the band, yet they're still touring and playing under the moniker. The other band, of course, is um, Thin Lizzy. And uh, Thin Lizzy are in the very unusual situation that there's another band called Black Star Riders, I think they're called, which are playing, I think it's the same band, if I'm not mistaken, that's, that, that's the modern, or the 2017 version of Thin Lizzy, and the band that's called Black right. Star Riders. So the hunger and the appetite for classic let's call it classic rock you know what i mean it, it might be prog or what have you is so great there these days that there is enough space for two bands to play thin lizzy style music without having virtually any original members there's certainly in the current day version of thin lizzy there's no member for, that actually started the band playing the music there's a bloke who i can't right. remember the name of the guitarist but he's he's an excellent guitarist by the way and he puts on a great show and it's great music but the point being is that the hunger's there the hunger's there and i think in the next Probably not, maybe not in our musical careers. I think in the next sort of 50 years or so, um, artists like Pink Floyd, uh, see, my grandchildren, in, maybe because I'm a big fan of music, they're going to raid my MP3 collection or vinyl collection and they're going to go, God, who's that? I want to hear that live. And it's bands like Haken that are accomplished enough and to your good point there. And I think what you've done is a lot of respect. And that's and why, that's why guys you guys are, are, are um, probably one of the bands of these days that are going to happen, happen could, could do it. Because A, you've got the musicianship, and B, you understand the reasons for not doing it, which, which means that you could probably understand the reasons for doing it. Anyway, that was a broader point about it anyway. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I get it. I, I, I mean, those are bands who have transcended, you know, and like they transcended the... Uh, the, the, the periods of time that were like current and I think that's kind of the aim for any musician 
to transcend, you know, to to make music and something that will will stay there and people will listen to it. And you know, you mentioned bands like Pink Floyd, uh, which I'm a you know massive massive fan of, of Pink Floyd. Um, you know, it's just timeless music. I mean, I listen to you know Wish You Were Here or or The Wall, and you know, I listen to it, and for me. It's current. I mean, the only way I can tell is, is from like 40, 50 years ago is because uh, um, I didn't I said 50, oh, 40 years ago, sorry. Um, it's because, I mean, you can set the production values, you know, you can you can listen to the drum kit and you can listen to, you know, the snare and you can listen, you know, the guitar tone. It's like very vintage and that's what keeps away that it's old music. But the actual compositions are fantastic. The arrangements are beautiful and, you know, the lyrics are current, you know. I mean, yes. listen to the wall now and it makes perfect sense okay. so you know I, I agree with you and that's and i think that's the reason why uh you know so many people want to do it uh but then at the end of the day i think our responsibility as a young young generation is to create more of that you know to create new new music to create something new and to create something that will hopefully will transcend maybe it might not transcend maybe uh the music we're doing uh our generation is doing is not going to transcend our generation but you know i think that's when the new stuff comes out, when people start pushing boundaries. And now, when I mean boundaries, I don't mean only as a personal point of view, but also as as a generation. You know, trying new sounds, trying new technologies, uh, trying new techniques that you know will open up the door for future generations to do something new. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Very good point. That's really good food for thought for the listeners out there, actually, because it is something that I think we're going to have to grapple with in the near future. So anyway, I've, I've got a, a pretty good next question for you because this is a person's name that comes up all the time when I'm, when I'm doing interviews. I've spoken to Andreas from Sepultura and uh, Miller from Creator, and uh, they both produced albums recently uh, in conjunction with Jens Bogren. So what were your thoughts on the band's experience working with Jens? Oh, man, he's a magician. Seriously, that guy, I don't know. I don't know how he does, but he's an absolute magician. Uh, yeah, he's... He's got incredible ears. I mean, I love his mixes. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, we know when we send something to him, we're going to get something amazing back. And, you know, he does get a lot of creative input when he does his mixes. Like, there's been, like, moments when, you know, some of us are expecting some sort of, like, uh, mix, maybe, like, get priority to certain instrument or to certain sections. And when we get something back, maybe something different, but when you actually open your mind and listen to what he's done... Uh, most of the times it's really good. So I think, that, yeah, that man is, is uh, that's why everyone's trying to with him, I think. He's a very popular producer nowadays. And he's an absolute per perfectionist and a hard worker. So, yeah, I mean, I'm always mesmerized and I have no idea how he does it. I'm actually <laughs> thinking that next time we, we do an album, uh, if we do it with him, that we probably will, I might just go, I mean, fly over to his studio and see what, what the hell he's doing because I'm yeah. so intrigued to see his dark arts, he's, he's phenomenal. Yeah, no, good point. And, and I've only ever had very positive feedback about him. Um, Andreas in particular was extraordinarily gushing in his praise for the experience working with him. And, and you can really hear that on the recent Sepultura album uh, as well. And of course, you're both very different sounding bands, but you've just got that touch of class about the, the two recent releases. So, uh, so there you go. Um, I've arrived at the point in the interview now where, and I ask all of my interview subjects here to play along, so, Diego, I really appreciate it if you could offer some meaningful feedback on the next qu next three questions. Your answers can be as not so right. work as you like because we're an R-rated program. Always very curious to see what people's responses will be to these questions. So, 
here we go. Diego, describe yourself in three words. Um, sarcastic, uh, hard worker, and lonely. I'm a lonely person. All right. And I like it. I don't mean it as a dramatic thing. I, I, I like to be alone a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you. Yep. Good one. And, and it probably reflects in some of the wonderful music that you create too. It's where, where you might get your inspiration spending some time in solitude, as we say. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The next question is, if you could go back to when you were 18 and give yourself some advice, what do you think you'd say? Um... I don't know. I mean, probably the only, I mean, when I was 18 is when I moved to, to England, when I was, you know, uh, I moved to England to be a student and I was actually trying to, you know, make something happen out of my career. So I went to student kind of a full-time dreamer as well. So uh, I was, I was brave enough to do it, but the only thing I would say to myself is maybe not to be so uptight and, you know, I, maybe you know be a bit more extroverted because back in the days i was extremely introverted and maybe that made me lose some opportunities along the way um so yeah i think i think that would be that would be my my advice okay whereabouts did you move from from mexico city so uh yeah so when i was 18 i moved to london Yes, I've got a very good friend who's from, um, I don't think he's from Mexico City, but he's certainly from Mexico, and I could pick up on the accent there. So, uh, yeah, I hope to go there one day. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you'll love it. All right, we're up to the final question, okay? Now, this one is a curveball. I was speaking to, you know, Rex from Pantera. Um, actually, he won't like me saying that he's from Pantera. <laughs> Rex Brown from Pantera, who has just released a brand new excellent album and i asked him these questions and it really stumped him yesterday or the day before so here we goes here we go i should say diego if you could invite five guests to dinner living or dead from any time in history who would you invite oh geez uh right i need to you know <laughs> give it a quick answer but if you if you gave me i mean if you left me with this question for a whole night I could come up next day with a whole essay on why I would choose, I mean, the ones I chose, but like off the top of my head, I will definitely bring Kurt Cobain as he was one of my teenage idols. Uh, it's going to be full of musicians, maybe. Uh, maybe I'll get Bill Evans. Uh, let's pass away. Um, it's going to be full of musicians. I don't know. I'll get Michael Jackson for a laugh, definitely. <laughs> I love him, like sing, uh, dancing. Um, think, uh, okay, I got, I got two more. I need to be very, very, very thoughtful about this. Uh, I'm just only thinking about dead people. But <laughs> Nicholas Cage is gonna be good. Okay, he's <laughs> new. I haven't, haven't had him before. That's... There you go. Haven't had him either. There you go. They're two new ones. Yeah, all new... done. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Jim Carrey is probably my, uh, certainly my favourite comedian, my favourite, um, no, I don't like to say favourite, but one of my favourite um, or most watched uh, movies is The Cable Guy, which not a lot of people like, unfortunately, but I love that film. But uh, So a very thoughtful list, and I'd love to attend that because I'd love to attend <laughs> and hear, hear, the, hear Jim sharing some, some of his wonderful jokes. So Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's it. I appreciate you got a you got another interview coming through, mate. Um, I just want to offer you a heartfelt congratulations again on the album Infinity. It is a stunner. You personally are an excellent musician. Um, I certainly want to be in the crowd uh, when you guys come down to Australia. You're playing at the Zoo here in Brisbane, and um, mate, hopefully we can share a beer. 
Awesome. No, yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to meet you, Andrew, and, you know, really looking forward to play there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're very excited about it. Fantastic. All right, mate. All the very best, and um, talk to you a bit later. All right. See you later, then, Andrew. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was Diego Tejeda from the UK prog outfit, Haken. Thank you so much for listening.